back to the Being Forces Friendly podcast, a monthly podcast where we sit down with experts from the armed forces, government and business to discuss engaging with defence and the mutual benefits that come from it. Welcome back to another episode of the Being Forces Friendly podcast. Today on our 14th episode, we're joined by Caroline Bull. Caroline is a former combat medical technician. She served five years in the British Army, including a tour of Afghanistan. After a successful career in the private security industry, Caroline has spent the past year volunteering with REACT as part of the UK's response to COVID-19. She's now pursuing a new career as a paramedic. And just to clarify, some may remember, REACT is now the branded new title for what was formerly the artist known as Team Rubicon. Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And great to have you on the episode. Now, listen, I know that over the past 18 months, you've been playing a key role in the UK's response to COVID-19, working as a REACT volunteer. And just as a reminder, um, REACT, for those that aren't aware, is a humanitarian charity that repurposes the hard-earned skills and experience of military veterans, retraining and deploying them across the globe to assist in emergency and disaster relief. So it's a phenomenal organisation. And I think before we talk about your time in the armed forces, though, Kaz, and your transition into civilian work, I'm sure our listeners would find it really interesting to hear more about your experience over the past 12 months working with REACT. So um, how has REACT been assisting on the front line and what kind of work has, um, has its volunteers and you been carrying out? So um, I was introduced to REACT, um, I think, probably last March when when the kind of beginning of the pandemic was uh, was really showing its face. And um, I saw a few kind of adverts for for this just within the, the veterans community um, and a few people that I knew that had um, got involved. And um, at the time I was uh, working as freelance. Uh, so I kind of I wanted something else to do. And I think with the the kind of my my general feeling is with crisis is that I want to help and see what I can do to step in. So I started working with React. Initially, we the, we were assisting um, another charity in putting together um, and setting up the, the kind of uh pop-up supermarkets next to next to hospitals so NHS staff could um, go and get their their food without having to queue at supermarkets or without having because I know supermarkets were at the time having a bit of issue with supply just yeah. people were were kind of panic buying um, a lot of people were coming off shift and not being able to get food for themselves or their families so um, the charity that we helped with set up kind of food box um pickups and and shopping and things like that so I worked at Hammersmith Hospital just uh, up the road from where I live um helping to set up that um and that that was then handed over to another charity I think after we'd we'd helped with the kind of setting it up and the logistics around it um and then I went and on that was was that purely for NHS staff was it Cass? it was so yeah so literally there was a there was an app these guys that the NHS staff had um, and they could order um, a, a food box through the app um, and come and pick it up. Literally, we were open from, um, I think, seven till seven at night um, or seven till eight so that we we could help around the shift patterns. So a lot of hospitals tend to their shift patterns are eight till eight. So we 
made sure that we were around kind of before and after those times. Um, and um, the, the, the workers in the hospitals could, could come and uh, pick up a, a huge box of, of food, basically. Yeah. So they didn't have to go shopping. Um, and they were pretty flat out at the time, weren't they? And as you mentioned, of yeah. course, you know, the supermarkets were a, uh, they were an interesting place to visit at that time, A, because you probably had to queue for hours to get in and then B, yeah. didn't have everything you needed. So that sounds like a great initiative. Yeah, it was, it was good. And um, I think it, I think it went on for quite some time. Um, I know there were a few different variants of, of that, that type of service. So some were supermarkets, some were um, the food box kind of service that we had. Um, and I think it, I think many of the staff that I came across were really grateful that, that there was this thing right on the, the doorstep of their workplace. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, and then the next task I did was with the London Borough of Kingston and their community hub. So I know a lot of boroughs throughout the, the kind of the nation were setting up uh, hubs so they could deal, they could help um, coordinate care of their vulnerable residents. Um, and Kingston had their community hub where we they were um, coordinating the pickup of pharmacy goods from pharmacies. Um, we were uh, doing shopping for residents and also making sure the people that needed to use food banks um, but were also vulnerable didn't have to go out. So we were doing food bank box deliveries um, around Kingston. Uh, and I was on, I think we were on that task for quite a long time. It lasted, I think, about three, four months. Um, and it was great just to, to get out and about in the car and, and see how many boxes I could fit in my Fiat 500 um, <laughs> and, uh, and zip around um, southwest London. Um, and I think, you know, over that time, I got to see uh, the same people over and over again. Um, and you start to develop, uh, you know, a friendly relationship with those people who, who weren't being able to get out and about um so you'd have a chat on the doorstep and and check on them and see if there's anything else they needed and that the community hub could help with and uh yeah so we did did that for for a long time with a there was a group of about... really important though isn't it because i think as you've just alluded to i mean it's not just the not just the physical well-being by providing the food but also the you know any medicine or anything like that but it's also that mental well-being isn't it you know as you said that contact with people uh, I know with an elderly mother um, you know there were there, there were times where there were you know um, long periods of time or a few days where she didn't didn't see anyone you know and um, and it's amazing how quickly people can sort of regress into their Absolutely. own into I their own being and uh, and it's really yeah. important that you provided that link for them I think the elderly population especially um, were were particularly affected by that uh, you know, they might not have family nearby or their families might have been vulnerable um, yeah. and not being able to help them out as much as they wanted to. So the, the shopping service was really good too. You know, we'd, we'd get a list through from, from the hub and then uh, they, they had a good way of, so people could buy their own food um, just basically through a voucher scheme with that supermarket. Um, mm. And then we could go and get all the shopping done for them that, that they needed um, all the stuff that they liked rather than, you know, a box of random food. Um, it, sounds, and, it does sound remarkably challenging, but I think rewarding at the same time from the sound of it. And, yeah, um, hugely. The, the, I mean, it was challenging because we were, I mean, I found at one point that I wasn't buying any food for myself, but going and <laughs> going doing a lot of shopping for other people. But then you realise <laughs> that these people actually, you know, they need someone to go 
and, yeah. and do this because queuing up for a long time especially if you're elderly or or um you did less able um it's a it could be quite a quite a grueling experience even just going to the supermarket and obviously there's still a lot of people around um and covid was particularly um volatile at that point um and I think the, the the most challenging task I did with React was um, support to the Surrey Local Resilience Forum. We helped with their temporary mortuary. Um, oh, wow. okay. So this was being run by the police and the fire brigade. Um, but the, the although they, there was a quite a, a lull in in kind of the the work that they were doing um, up until Christmas and just. But then Christmas happened, you know, there was a lot of people mingling, um, the, the cases were still rising. Um, and the knock-on effect of that was a few weeks after Christmas, uh, there was sadly a lot more need for the temporary mortuary service to, to provide the, its capability. And we gave an, an uplift in staff to the fire brigade yeah. and the police. Um, so we worked two, three days a week, uh, quite long shifts. Um, and uh, we did that for six weeks. Well, I suppose that's a real strength of React, isn't it? Where, um, I mean, you know, um, it sounds a bit of a, a bit like a sweeping statement, but many charities have a focus in a particular area, whereas React seems to have the adaptability to flex into almost any area that's required. And I suppose, I, I mean, that, you know, that to my mind is, you know, using sort of marketing speak, the USP, the unique selling point of React is, is one of them is, is um, it's, there are a lot of veterans and uh, and blue light service personnel um, in the volunteer cohort with React, and I think you probably you know worked with a lot of veterans during your time in 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 volunteering. And could you maybe tell us a little bit about your military background, Kaz? You know what your sort of role, maybe a little bit about your time in Afghanistan yeah. that helped you maybe you know transition into that type of the activity. Yeah, I think I was a combat medical technician, um, which is the the kind of army's version of a. a first responder paramedic um and kind of day to day in your as on kind of peacetime you're working in a medical center um facilitating and kind of serving the soldiers that are on your base with primary health care um and medical support on exercises and ranges and things like that so our um our medical kind of capability as a medic is is very primary healthcare and then obviously kind of first line um platinum 10 minutes uh, medical support um yeah. on operation Wait, what's that Kaz? Uh, so the the there's a they used to be called the golden hour where ah, okay the golden hour yeah the golden yeah. hour um a kind of uh medical first first responder first line medical support with if someone is in um quite a, a difficult state they've got a lot of catastrophic bleeding or um that's the main one especially in the army that we focus on um yeah. because of the nature of the injuries that people have um is the, the that golden hour of getting someone from um a kind of the point of injury to a, a surgical facility within within that okay. time where it can be dealt with um that kind of got we it's got narrowed down to a platinum 10 um and we were finding and that's why the survival rates of soldiers um, was so um, incredible, really, just because of the, the first line medical support that they were getting at the point of injury. Um, yeah, and it goes yeah. for, for the, the soldiers themselves. They all have a certain level of medical training, um, which really helps us as medics um, and obviously helps 
anyone that gets that gets injured and a lot of this um the kind of medical capability that and experience that the military have has transferred over into civilian world which um is brilliant so people are surviving things that they may not have otherwise done over over the years um i mean there were some amazing i, I mean i recall there were some amazing developments in in you know in both in medical procedures and practices you know i know who i have friends who, who you know who practice in the uh, in the nhs um who have learned an awful lot from what went on particularly i mean um you know in afghanistan and iraq some of the um life-changing and catastrophic injuries you mentioned you know from things such as you know a tourniquet um, which is now, you know, world world known as, you know, as, as being, you know, a, a fantastic piece of kit, uh, all the way through to different types of um, uh, point of injury activity. Do, were you, you know, unfortunately part of and witness to any of those type of injuries during your yeah, tour? Yeah, absolutely. I was, I served with two rifles um, and we had a particularly kinetic tour of uh, Helmand province in 2009. Okay, um, yeah. We were based out of Sangin, DC and surrounding um, forward operating bases. Uh, and I was based in Wishtown. Um, if you do any any research on, on the internet or look in the archives, uh, you'll you'll see that there was a, a particularly a couple of particularly bad incidents that, that we had. Um, we have kind of many contact IEDs where we've had um, kind of, I think we had five killed in action in, in one incident. Um, wow. Wow. and a, a few others like that so my experience as a medic um, was de definitely put to use uh, I saw a lot of catastrophic and life-changing injuries as well as a lot of death um, so and I think for me experiencing that um, quite extreme um, side of it has allowed me to have a I guess a different perspective of of disastrous things that you know at this time I think I've dealt with yeah. crisis quite quite well um, and also operating in a high threat environment as well it does um, it takes its toll on you absolutely um, hey, well listen I, I mean you know let's uh, let, let, you know let me just say um, thank you for your service I mean you know I mean that's that's awesome I mean I, I mean I served in the military um, I spent some time in Afghanistan I saw you know at various um, you know various um, catastrophic things going on around me um but you don't always necessarily um, um uh, uh, react to it in the same way because you know that there are people in your team like yourself who just dive in and play the role they need to but but hey listen thank you for everything you did in that I, you know because it's not i don't think it's often um, often said enough you know when, when people like you talk so openly as you just have about what you've seen and how you know how that impacts on you and I think it's um, it's good to talk about it as we all know yeah, from a mental health perspective but yeah. also um, I think um, it's it's good to talk about it in terms of um, the wider uh, people know what people in the armed forces do in support of um, in support of their um, their nation's you know and um, current you know objectives which at that time were to be in places like Afghanistan um, and uh, and Iraq and um, uh, and I, I can ask you then Kaz you know what so when you Picking up on all of that, when you then chose to leave the armed forces, um, you know, how, how do you how do you sort of how do you take <laughs> that? Um, you know, those skills, your experiences. Um, I mean, I'm sure you had loads of fantastic times as well as you know experiencing Absolutely. traumatic times. But um, when you chose to leave, how did you approach your right? Okay, 
Um, and let me rephrase it. Yeah. What was it. How did you make the decision to leave? And then once you'd made it, how, what, how did you then approach your transition into the civilian workforce? I think um, Afghanistan certainly left its um, left its mark on me, and um, I realised that quite quite early on. Um, and it was somewhere I didn't really want to go back to um, in that you know in in that job role. Um, and yeah. I felt I, I know people say it, but they've been there and got the t-shirt, and I literally had gone there and I got a couple of t-shirts, and um, <laughs> and I thought um, you know it's time to move on. I was in um, I was in kind of my late twenties and. And actually, the, the, this is a, a good conversation with people that do think if they leaving the, the military, do I have time for another career? And can I can I really explore that career and do well in it? And I think at that and you can at any age, but I think necessarily at that age, especially with the experience you build up in the army up to that point, um, you can leave and, and do some amazing things outside. Yeah. Um, I was really lucky. I've, I've kind of got a good 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 friends and support network especially here in London um and a lot of people in a lot of different industries um okay. I felt that I wanted to use my experience that I'd had um in the military um into similar civilian um kind of industries and there are there's the you know the private security industry um oh. is very popular among veterans um you can go out and do a, a similar similar job so as a medic I could have gone out um got my uh, civilian qualifications and gone back out to these kind of hotspot countries um but I chose to stick with a more London-based um experience and I I worked initially with a startup who worked as um medical and political evacuation out of um kind of high-risk countries or any country but we concentrated on high-risk um, because we were a startup of, of ex-military, hotspot countries were our bread and butter, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we um, developed a, kind of the the contacts and the systems to to do point of injury to um, home evacuation, um, and that was both political. So you're um, getting together resources, security resources, fixes. Um, anything that's going to help you in that country to get out um, yeah. back to a safe country or your country of residence. Um, and then the medical side, obviously, you can you can um, mobilise air ambulances, local ambulance services. Um, but it's also with a medical background, you know what um, a good level of care is. And not every country has the same level of care that we would yeah, different approaches, yeah. really want. So we'd make sure that we could find find people and companies within that country that might be able to have a, a better level of care than the local um, kind of. So you uh, were, you, so you were, I mean, you, so you took directly your military skill set and, 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 and lifted it out of the military, put it into the private security sector. And you found that, um, did you find that, um, um, you know, re relatively easy or, or do you think, you know, because I often wonder with, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I, along with many other, um, um, those who have served, I think were relatively generalist in terms of their, uh, you know, what we did. We did lots of different things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, and you but, are, uh, I think, as veterans we are, and that makes us really great. Um, yeah. at, we can dive into a, a situation and, and hopefully have a, have a plan in our heads of how to deal with it and, um, and kind of get, get on with it. Um, 
and we have so many skill sets you know you do you, you kind of the 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 soldier as we are trained as as everyone is a soldier first you know bar putting your trades aside everyone learns the same set of skills um yeah. and that's you know communication teamwork um uh being adaptable working in different environments and and i think the main thing about the army as with any organization is you're all a, a small cog in a big machine and yeah. If one of you, if you're one of the cogs stop working, the whole the whole thing goes out of kilter, you know. Um, and I think that's a um, there's always jest with uh, with other trades and he's best and you know. But actually, everyone needs us. Everyone needs each other. Yeah. Um, and I think to to be able to bring bring your experiences into the civilian workplaces is uh, only positive. Um, also in business as well, you know that every. A lot of people in the military maybe serving now are thinking, oh, my God, I don't know anything about the commercial world or business. Um, and, yeah. and I wanted to learn more about that. And and I did. I was exposed to it. I was in a it was a smallish company at the time. And I was exposed to all the, the different operations that come with running a business. Um, and then l- later on, I moved to a larger um, security company I wanted to specialize slightly more um, okay. in the security side of things but I I found the company that I wanted to wear or there was an opportunity there um, it wasn't actually initially in the area that kind of the operations area that I that I wanted to go into but it was in the commercial side um, mm-hmm. and and actually going in and taking a punt on the commercial side which I had no experience of whatsoever it was really great for my experience um we did I I managed and um kind of put together bids for uh, various different um commercial and government um services for security okay. uh, and that gave me a good insight into planning um all the things that come along with that and the army's always good at planning we think about logistics we think about people we think about food we think about and the area that we're operating and what we might need to to be there and that was a similar type of thing you know you're planning around everything from are they do they have water do they have toilets do they you know all of this yeah. this living yeah, in yeah, it's, it's really interesting i i mean so it, it sounds like i mean you said that you had a a relatively easy um you know transition out of the, the military because you but but of course, um, I think you touched on that. I think you you said you had a pretty good network around you yep. at that time. But from based on your experiences, both in terms of your initial jump into the um, the startup and then a move to a you know a bigger, more much more commercial set um, organization where you were having to do um, more commercially focused, probably you know things like um, you know written bids and things like that. And from your experiences, though, what, you know, what would you say to those who are currently serving, listening to this, who yeah. are coming to the end of their time in the military? What sort of, you know, what sort of advice might you give them based on your experience? I would um, say that you should exploit your network. Um, you know, networking is such a horrible phrase. Like, I don't think anyone really likes the word networking. It's what do you mean to you, Kaz? What do you think network is? It's really interesting because I, I've been engaged with some other work. With um, there's a there's a um, a particular endeavour called um, Veterans Work, which um, which is a program um, which is um, headed up by 
um, Deloitte, but it's in yep. partnership with the Officers Association Forces in Mind Trust. Uh, yeah. uh, and basically what they're looking to do is, is to expose, you know, a, a similar discussion topic and sort of break down those echo chambers out there. But it's interesting, um, networking came up uh, in those in those discussions and everyone's going, oh, I hate the term network. But we couldn't really come up with something which is <laughs> no, different to network. So I don't know what you think of that. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, and, you know, I, I was um, during my my experiences in um, the, the startup I worked in, uh, we were closely into the insurance industry and the insurance industry has a lot of veterans in it, a lot, um, all from different different trades. Um, and further into my my career, I you, you start to realise that these are just people like the that, that quite like a beer and actually you can talk about a bit of work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every meaningful, I always say there's every meaningful conversation I have with someone, um, I always add them on LinkedIn because they'll remember you you remember them and actually they might whoever they work for or whatever their experiences are might be useful to each other in in the long run and um i think all of all of the jobs i've had um in the past 10 years someone has known me either personally or through someone else um and i think that's quite important because if you know who you're hiring um or you know where you're going and you think that person can that person can stand it there you know I probably can too um and the commercial world is a, is a bit crazy it's a it is quite a foreign environment there's lots of processes and things that you're not familiar with but um none of it's rocket science so I think that's the that's the key that thing I took away I mean a lot of people so, have... so do you think because um, I've often thought and I don't know what you think about this but um I've often thought that um sometimes those um, transitioning out of the military um, are a bit shy in sometimes to call up their friends, their colleagues, even sometimes their former bosses or whatever, and just say, hey, look, you know, um, uh, uh, can we have a chat? Can we talk about where you think, you know, I was good, bad or indifferent, where you think my yeah, skill sets yeah. might be, etc. And that might not, you know, that individual often can't say to you, I'll give you a job because actually the number of people that can do that, but what they can do is, is they can, they can act as a wider radar for you. They can Absolutely. see opportunities and then say, and then introduce, they can say, hey, look, we've got something. And they can turn to someone in their firm and say, I think there might be someone here that you should have a look at. And I think people get caught sometimes. Um, and, you know, on a personal note, and, you know, I, I mean, I've been, I, I've been out for, um, crikey, I'm about to say, it, I've been out for almost 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I, I found it quite difficult after I'd been out three or four years um, when I bounced around a little bit in, 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 through different, um, different roles. And um, what I found was, was that, um, uh, you know, you don't get your first fit straight away. No. You kind of move around a little bit until you find something that you really and like. That's and that's cool. Like, you people know. think yeah. that, you know, you should be somewhere forever. But if it doesn't fit you and you don't fit that or you're seeking more and you're not getting it where you are, um, yeah. It's absolutely okay, especially nowadays. You know, people don't stick around in jobs for thirty years quite often. It's um, it's a it's a thing that you should, you know, once you've gained an experience and if you feel like you're not progressing, and um, for me, I like you know, I like to feel like I'm, I'm progressing somewhere. Like, yeah. um, and I I like that environment where you are or you can. And I think so, yeah, the, so so networking is one area then where you know don't, so. You know, yep. get that get get that book of contacts up and running. You know, 
make sure yeah. you reach out exactly. to them in the right way and make and sure you do, follow up with them and that sort of stuff. But what else? I'm really you know? open to that. I really, and you know, the, the insurance industry, there's a, there's a charity now, it's called a charity now. It is a charity, the Lloyd's Military Network. And it was just a, a group of ex, ex-military types meeting in, in a pub. And then it turned into a, a charitable organization who places ex-military veterans into um, the insurance industry and in, on a work yeah. experience basis. So you can see if you like it in the different areas, so the broking area or the um, the underwriting areas and and seeing if you it's a good fit for you and, and the other way around. Um, and there's a lot of there, there's there's similar, I think similar other industries have similar setups as well. Um, and I think that's important to get involved with any experience you can or and courses. I, I did lots of um, different professional courses in, in my time, um, even quality management. Um, now, I thought that was bonkers. I was like, that's boring. Um, why would you want to do that? But actually, it opened up for me, it opened up. Um, a, it's a professional qualification, which is great. Yeah. If your company can pay for you to do it, then um that's even better um and it opened up a, a world that was at the time in the security quite new um we had our the if anyone's <laughs> anyone's familiar with quality management there's like a selection of isos that that your yeah. company can certificate up to and um shows other other companies or vendors that you're you're a legit good um company yeah, credible organization yeah exactly and the private security sector at the time um was building its own version um and it involved other things that that um it needed to have in like human rights and rules of engagement and you know when you've got armed people working for a company you need to have all of these um different different things in place to 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 make sure did you, um, did you start you know the, the you know the the resettlement um you know process there's been quite a bit of debate about that uh, about that recently about you know when should you start that resettlement i mean did, did you take advantage of um, of what was on offer in the military and, and get, get any qualifications before you left and if you did how early did you start that before your before I, your actual leave date i didn't um really i just um I think it's I think if I if I said to anyone now you should start a good year or so before just build absolutely build up that network have a think about what you want to do maybe go and shadow some work experience isn't just for 16 year olds um yeah very true it's for everyone um you know if you think you might be interested in something then go and find someone to hang around with and do it with them. Um, and, that, and I think that's a great piece of advice because, of course, picking up on your first point about, the, you know, the, the networking. Um, one thing, as I say, they might not be able to give you a job, but what anyone can do is employ hmm. someone for free for a week um, yeah. and get something out of them. So yeah. uh, it's also, a really great opportunity. And I think the CV is a really important um, part of that. So building your CV, um, taking all the military speak out of it and turning it into something that um, a civilian HR manager can understand and also um, really see the value of. I mean, they've got, my, my CV's got some ridiculous buzzwords in it, but I know which words are useful to have in there. And the fact that yeah. you can use a computer, you know, like all of these, all of these things um, are really important. Um, yeah. Being able to use the Microsoft Office package 
which everyone does now in in the army they didn't used to but in the last 15 years or so um that's how everyone's working so it's really important to to even no matter how basic you think that information is a civilian organization wants to wants to employ someone who can use basic kind of it i couldn't agree more i was talking to my talking to my team yesterday and um and we were just i was saying that i wish i'd learned to touch type and how many hours that would have saved me in my life uh you know just what seems like a relatively you know, innocuous, perhaps simple thing, but it literally would have saved hours. And listen, Kaz, I mean, I, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we've already touched on your experiences um, during COVID um, with React, which is um, which sounds, you know, incredibly, you know, varied, challenging, but also rewarding, as you said. Mm. Um, and um, but before that, and in between um, your your time working in the private security um, sector. Mm um you you took a bit of um, a, a career break and you looked towards the third sector and the volunteer sector yeah. you know and so what, what have the benefits been how has it changed your outlook from a sort of personal I mean, professional perspective that, that, so that i think for me i was in i was in the this industry for you know nearly nearly 10 years and it was all a rat race really um go to your office you make some money you come home you enjoy life you've got all the things around you that you think uh are good for you and that you need um and I actually four years ago I had a PTSD diagnosis from my time in Afghanistan okay. um, and I think first of all I needed a break so that's what I, I did I did what was good for me at the time I had some treatment um it took a long time and I think anyone anyone who ends up in that situation you have to give yourself some time to to process everything and that is time it takes years you know three two two three years yeah. um and that's important to know like that's not wasted time that is that is time sorting yourself out really important and but during that time I do you know I, I didn't want my brain to start rotting um <laughs> I wanted to keep keep doing things that were good for me so I did I started volunteering doing bits locally um around barns um uh, especially at the, the the kind of beginning side of the pandemic that I work with a local charity who help vulnerable older adults around the community um, and when when things started happening with the pandemic I got in touch with them and I, I see them around I see them with their minibus going to Sainsbury's taking elderly yeah. people to shop um, and they do a lot of befriending they have a lot of activities and they had to stop all of that um, but what I wanted to do is let them know that I've got a background in kind of emergency um, preparedness and crisis management and like how can I help you give the the best that you can during this this horrible time Um, and it did affect them as a charity a lot more I think especially their volunteers were mainly over 70 so they had no volunteer workforce and they had a lot of people to look after so we had to kind of get get through that initial kind of oh my god how are we going to do this um so i i didn't volunteer my kind of practical services it was more of a um kind of crisis management service that i gave them um and i think that really helped me get back into things um you know i hadn't i'd worked i'd done bits and bobs here and there different um kind of project based um contracts rather than going back full time um, so I knew I could do it. Um, my brain was a lot clearer, had a lot more energy. 
Um, and, and I think taking, being able to take that step slowly was really good for me too. Um, and the, the kind of volunteering tasks um, that I've, I've done were, you know, fairly generic. I think anyone could do them. You just got to kind of. There's something up. about service, I think, that it's, um, yeah. you know, it's sort of in you, isn't it, to a degree, yeah. I think. Um, I think it gives you, you, you sometimes give a better service when you're not doing it for money. Um, and you're doing it because you want to, because you want, because you think you can, or because you you're helping people in your local community. Um, and I, you know, it's something that React really is the is the basis of their community um, of responders. Is that it's based on community, it's based on purpose, and it's based on identity. Um, yeah. And you, when you leave the military, um, you lose that you lose all of, all three of those things and you don't necessarily get it from going to a nine to five job um, with lots of other people from different backgrounds. Or you might do, they might have a great team ethos. They might have a, um, uh, you might get all three of those things. Um, but the military really instills that. It gives you all three and they're really important for your, your general mental health, I think. Um, yeah, no, I think that's really, hey, listen, and you're currently completing a degree to be a, um, a paramedic um, I know which is completely bonkers I'm 38 years old um, I had a perfectly good career <laughs> now I'm um, going on to to do this but you know I I volunteered with London Ambulance Service last year as well um, and actually it was a it was a bizarre time because it was full lockdown and there was actually no one doing anything no one hurting themselves no you know yeah. nothing much going on but I um I went on a on a few shifts with them to to kind of help help them with resource as well, um, and do, I loved it. Do, do you think that's a sector um, that you know is really? I mean, I, I don't know from your your own personal experience because you're you're still sort of going through that. But mm. um, you know, um, but do you think there's quite a few opportunities that exist for veterans? And, and you know, do you think the sector should maybe maximise and target veterans? For, I, I think so. Um, there's you know, I, I did a shift with a submariner the other day, ex-submariner, been in for like 22 years. Um, there are ex-military people in in the ambulance services, and I think they do kind of um, draw you in. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's similar. You get those three things again. You get a good identity. Um, that Your job is, is really important um, to you and other people. Uh, you get a uniform that's nice you know <laughs> some badges and um, but it does it it makes you feel um so there's something kind of intrinsic about it um you're in a community of people who are all doing um the the same job um it's challenging um i mean the being an army medic is is challenging in its own way um but actually you're dealing with a fit healthy workforce um who if they need you they really want you uh, the ambulance service deals with the, um, the 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 best and the worst of society. You're seeing it can be frustrating at times. Even you know yeah. um, you're used to people who really want need you, and you're being called to something that perhaps may have been dealt with better with a different part of the NHS. Um, and but I think the, the the kind of general general feeling is that for me it it felt like the right job to go into um, and that was because I volunteered and that that volunteering was a work experience of type you know I I kind of had a taste of it. Um, do, you, do you think that um, I mean 
a slight sort of often a slight tangent and um, it, not always the easiest question perhaps to answer. I mean, what do you think the general UK workforce thinks of veterans? I think I think it is probably dipped off a bit just purely because we're not in the news so much anymore. You know, the 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 um, operations in Afghanistan and Iraq are completely they're now completely finished. Um, yeah. the, we're not in the public um, kind of media space. Um, I think people have, I imagine, have a good experience with veterans when when they work. Um, we're generally, I mean, there's, <laughs> you, <laughs> it's a very generalised, big generalisation, but we're generally pretty adaptable. Um, kind of, we've got a good sense of humour. We um, like to, we've got a good work ethic, um, yeah. and we've got a lot of skills, which, um, which are transferable, and um, and I think. You know, I've spoken to to other veterans and we I don't think we should hold ourselves back. Um, I mean, I, I had a thing about um, and with other I was speaking to other women about this and it's a kind of imposter syndrome. Um, and I think everyone maybe has had a little bit of this um, when you're in a world where you just think, am I am I good at this job? Am I meant to be here? Do I deserve it? Have I got the experience? And you do, you've got all three of them. And if you read your CV, you'd realise that you do. <laughs> like, you know, there is evidence to support this. Um, and I know that I suffered from that a little bit and I think that can hold you yeah. back. So to have the confidence um, and you only build that with experience, I think. So, so when if you had, if you, had um, you know, if you were, um... I was going to say almost like an elevator pitch, but let's say you're in, a, in an elevator and, uh, and someone says to you, why employ a veteran? Um, you know, what do you think your key message and advice to those um, to those service leavers, but also veterans who may be at a, you know, a challenging point in their career because they may be moving around, as I alluded to earlier, or um, or, or they just haven't found that fit yet. Mm. Is that, you know, what, what would be your, because I have to say you seem, you know, you seem remarkably um, um, really well placed into something that you obviously love. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's for not, I've always said to everyone, I say to, I've got three young kids and I say to all of them, if you can find a job you love, then don't worry about the cash cow, because genuinely, um, as long as you've got enough to, you know, keep everyone you know, yeah. broadly happy. Um, if you're doing a job you love, it just it makes such a difference. So what would be your one piece of advice to, to, to those to those listening um, today? I think from a from a veteran side, so my advice for vets is to get any experience. Um, you know, if you think you want to go into something, give go and try it out. Don't be don't be scared to contact whatever company, whatever person. You know, as I was saying about networking, just if you've had a meaningful conversation with someone once, just keep their contact details and and tap yeah. them up. Be, be confident, like you're you have a an amazing skill set. Um, some of which you might not have released yet. I, you know, I went into the commercial world and realised that actually um, some parts of business operations were were a good fit for me at the time. Um, and uh, whether it was quality management or health and safety, not very exciting things, you kind of think. But actually, it gave me, you know, I travelled with that. I went to lots of different countries, um, and that was that was good for me at the time. I enjoyed it. It was a it was a good challenge. Um, so better confidence, chat to people, go and experience something if you want to know if that's going to be good for you or not. Um, and I, I think that is I think that is fantastic advice, Caroline. Thank you. 
Hey, and listen, um, thank you for joining us today, Caroline. Thank you for your thank you for your service both during your time in the military, but also um, all the way through COVID nineteen um, and your ongoing um, with React, <laughs> and and you also you're becoming a paramedic. You know, so um, you know, fantastic. When well, hats off to you, generally, um, and um, thank you for sharing your personal transition story with us. And it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you with us today, um, Caroline. Um, Thanks so much. Brilliant. And now listen, for all our listeners out there, um, as always, all relevant links will be in the episode um, biography. Um, and don't forget, you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple Podcast, Anchor, Google Podcast and Spotify. And please make sure to subscribe to uh, never miss out on an episode and hear other inspiring and phenomenal stories like that we've just um, been talking through with, uh, with Caroline. So Caroline, from, from, um, from you, goodbye. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And from me, Jacko, Director DRM, goodbye. If you don't want to miss out on next month's episode, then hit the subscribe button. And if you have any questions for us or want to know more, you can contact us on Twitter at DRM underscore support. Thank you very much for listening.